All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real Estate with your hosts, Chris Pomerleau and Colin Schwartz. See how I switched it up that time? I I, I know, it was nice. I I figured I would intro you first. You are really the man of the hour, so. Appreciate it. I guess at least number two right now. Brett's the man of the hour. Brett Klug is the man of the hour. Brett Klug, a uh, friend and a friend of uh, our children together that are playing sports and everything. Also a real estate extraordinaire, owns over a hundred single family rentals and some duplexes, and then 16 commercial buildings, uh, encompassing retail office space, um, and probably a few other things, but I have been bugging him to get on and I am glad that he did. He's a wealth of knowledge. He's also been doing this for quite some time. Um, even at the young age of 37, which is incredibly impressive with what he's accomplished. Brett, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Um, so just uh, tell us about yourself, you know, tell us how you kind of got in the business, you know, a little, a little bit of background and where you're at now. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Let me have uh, tell my story. It started really with my parents. They had a small rental where we grew up um, over in Benson. And it was just a one bedroom and they would go over there and do work. And then they started to buy more. And I think by the time I was in high school, they had maybe eight or nine single family rentals. And their theory was just pay them off so we could, you know, get you guys to college. And, uh, you know, they didn't really have, neither of my parents graduated from college. So they didn't have any formal education or anything, but they knew enough, hey, let's buy something tangible, hard, and pay it off. And so I always watched that and uh, it really stuck with me. But going to prep, you know, you want to be either a doctor or a lawyer, right? That's what, <laughs> that's what you want to do or something great or, you know, so... It turns out I just wasn't that intelligent. You know, you take the ACT, and I remember when we got our scores back, uh, you know, my friends and I are kind of the delinquents, and I didn't do very well. And I remember the NASA monkey got like a 14 because they trained it to fill in C. <laughs> and I was like, guys, we, we didn't get that much higher than the monkey. We're in trouble. <laughs> we got some issues here. So at that rate, um, I did start to kind of study. Uh, I went to Creighton just because that was a natural move. And Mom said, you know, you can live on campus, but if you do so, you're going to pay for it. So I lived at home and I think that was a good move for me. It kept me out of trouble um, and it kept me focused. And I did study really hard my freshman year. didn't really go out. I played on the hockey team, but I studied hard and I got a 3.5, which was really good for me. And I can still remember the day I went to see my college counselor and he told me this is probably 2005, 2004. Freshman, he's like, you know, you got a C in this class, Brett. And he said that C students don't go to law school. And I remember just being floored. Like I left there feeling down and upset about it and uh, went to spring break in Cancun with my friends. Came back kind of like, okay, maybe I don't want to be a lawyer. It's, it's not for me. So I talked to mom. She's like, well, why don't you start looking at a real, get your real estate license and look at that. You know, you you're kind of know a little bit about it. So we started doing that, taking classes, still taking classes at Creighton. When I was 19, I found a couple duplexes going to bank auction. And uh, I remember this, I still own the building, 3122 Cass. And uh, I remember it was going, the minimum bid was like 50000 Back then you could buy real estate cheap. And so I bought it for 70000 And there was another property going the same day. Now I'd never driven by it. It was a duplex. And the guy was like, hey, this one's going for 9,000 and I had borrowed more than what I needed. And I was like, I, I'm going to buy it. And my mom's like, are you sure? I goes, F walls will be okay. You know? <laughs> so 
So we buy it. And I had, I had saved up 29,000, nine grand, $9,800. You got to buy it. Got to buy it. But this sounds back then it was a different time. Yeah. You know, so I was 19, it was 2006. Um, and it turns out that property was rented for $1,100 a month up St. Louis style duplex up and down. I was only in it once and, uh, we'll get back to that in a second. So in theory, I had paid that house off. And my other one was a duplex. I went in there. I thought, oh, I'm going to paint and re-roof this thing and painted it. It looked terrible. We got on the roof. We're like, oh, we're going to hire this done. And I learned very quickly that I wasn't capable of doing anything. Manual labor is very much, I'm allergic to it. I just not my thing. So <laughs> at any rate, we, uh, we got that one done. And then there was another house. Um, and I had still, still at Creighton and I decided I was going to graduate early. I was going to do three years, take summer school and just graduate early and get my degree. And I'd found another house over by Memorial Park, kind of where Bucket Buffett lives. And I remember I bought the thing uh, and we went to go knock on it because you buy them as is, you know, you don't know what you're going to get inside. It's just the way it, you buy as is where it is. So, and we knocked on the door and uh, it was a surgeon and he was, he would not open his mail and got foreclosed on. He's like, listen, I'll buy it back from you. I'll, I'll, I'll you don't have to do anything. I, I need this house. My mother grew up here. I was like, well, you're, if you're going to buy it, you're going to buy it back at market value. So I made 67000 without doing a thing on that. And at this point- At 19? At ni- I was turned 20. I was 20. Wow. Point. And I was like, well, at this point, I don't need a law. I, you get cocky, right? <laughs> yeah. A little bit of an ego. You need to be checked when you're younger. But I was like, what? Forget law school. I, I don't need that. So felt pretty good about that and um, bought a few more and graduated. And it, it's kind of weird when you graduate from college, they hand you to, okay, you're done. You're changing this lifestyle change, right? Where you're a student to becoming an adult and a professional, but um, started buying them up all the time, uh, left, right, left, right. And then um, I remember my brother helped me a little bit when I was younger at this uh, threeplex I had bought. It was a total dump. And uh, we get a call from the fire marshal that that $9,000 property that I purchased was on fire. Oh, good. Like, so we pull up and I, back then I started, I did some manual labor. So we had like a trailer and stuff and we're working and we pull up, my brother's like, ah, I'm going to wait in the car. So the news is there. It's not a good situation. And come to find out, as you know, but you didn't know, I, I call State Farm. I'm like, hey, do we have insurance on to make sure we made a payment? Because the building was so old, they pay you on replacement costs, not the market value. And what the tenants were doing, the reason I was never in it, is they were uh, harvesting, mar- growing marijuana, and they're robbing power from the transformer. Something blew. No one was hurt, thank God. But uh, you know, to rebuild that building was one hundred sixty-five thousand. So they cut me a check for that, and I sold the property off, burned down for nineteen grand. So those are the couple things that kind of helped me going. So and then I'm, you started burning down all your future I started, homes. Th- after started. that, I, I became an arsonist, actually. Yeah. And just, uh, That's a great business plan. A little mask that I wear. So, <laughs> you know, so, and it, by accident, you know. And um, I'm sure you're all familiar with a 1031 exchange. In this case, you do a 1033 exchange, which you use for eminent domain or insurance proceeds. So I did that, and I was able to buy, this is 2008, whatever it is, able to buy a couple single families, you know, free. And then over the years, um, we, I'd flip a little bit. I got lucky on a few flips. Um, and in the meantime, my dad has a, um, he still has a, a compressed air business. So we did sales and service um, all over South Dakota, Nebraska, and Iowa. 
So the first day I showed up to work with him, I was still doing real estate, but it was inconsistent, right? You'd get a deal here. And I was like, all right, if you guys can pay me, you know, I think I started at $12 an hour. So nothing crazy. I'd work with him. And I showed up the first day in like a tie, you know, your college graduate. And uh, he's like, go home and change. <laughs> so I went home and changed and uh, I had to go work with him at a ConAgra plant fixing this air compressor. And I was covered in dirt and mud. And he's like, hey, I want to stop at grandma's house and get dinner after this. I was like, whatever, you know, I want to get home. But my uncle, the farmer looks at me and goes, well, those don't look like college clothes to me. And so for five, six years, while I was flipping houses, buying them, renovating them, which was a constant thing, I was also doing, turning wrenches for my dad, working with him. And it taught me a, a ton, like traveling, but my days would, you know, you leave the house early and sometimes you wouldn't get home until 11 o'clock at night. And I can tell you some stories about that too, about that business, but my main focus the whole time was buying and acquiring properties. And, um, you know, I think I got up to like, maybe 50 rentals altogether. And it just, it was hard to make that because it's economies of scale. Mm -hmm. And my uncle is a pretty big developer. And he's like, no, no, you need to be doing bigger deals. Why don't you do some commercial stuff? So the first commercial deal I did was really a, um, was Blue Jay Storage. I, I bought a storage complex and I, they just tore it down. It's on 13th street and I probably should have kept it, but it's down there and bought the whole thing for a hundred grand. It was, I think it was 70 units in a building. But it, you know, it's, it needed work. So I was down there with my buddies cleaning stuff out. And we're like, oh, we're going to get so much stuff from this. I think my kid, uh, my friend got it some like toys from his kid. It was time to take him in his car. He goes, those are disgusting. You can just keep them. Yeah. That's so funny. I remember when I started doing real estate, like it, it seemed like I'd hit the gold mine when I'd be like, oh, it comes to the garage. There's a ladder in there. There's a compressor in there. Man, there's a couple empty propane tanks. I'm going to go exchange those. Wow, look at this chest. I bet I could sell this on eBay. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you'd end up just throwing it in the dumpster because it's junk. You but do. at the beginning- At the beginning, it, when you're young, and you exciting. think it's exciting to find anymore now, my dad always makes this joke i would throw away the mona lisa like if it doesn't <laughs> produce value for me i really don't want it simple is good and so um i got that up and going that was a great experience and then my buddy's like hey i, I want to buy that from you and i was like no i, I really don't want to sell it he's like no i'm gonna make you a good offer so he made me a really good offer i was out it made me good and then he ended up reselling it too and so that was one of the first ones and then i started buying these office buildings and back then you could buy these buildings for 30 40 50 bucks a foot now you can't do that and so if your rents are you know 12 to 15 dollars a foot that's pretty good math right you just it was hard to fill them back then it was different and so any we used to buy these hoarder homes i mean you'd walk in there's trash up to here so I've been through all that, you know, and it, how are you finding these deals? Most of it, most of it were bank owned. So I talked to bankers and they're like, Hey, we got something we don't want to go in. It's literally got a hole in the roof. And I would, I just bring the crew in and be like, look guys, call me when it's done. Call me when it's cleaned out. And so, um, it was, it was a lot of work. It truly, like you could, my wife can tell you, cause we've been together since I was 21. Like I wouldn't get home until 11 o'clock, just like sit down and just be eating high V cookies. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was over health was a priority. It, it, well, I, no. I still do that. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 anymore now I take it serious, really seriously health. But back then I'm, I run around to like 165 and back then I was 185 and I had like no muscle. So it wasn't a good look for me in my wedding. You can see I'm pretty full. It's not a good look. Yeah. But I, I think when you're young, you really have to delay your gratification until you're older. If, if you really want to start off and get going. And so that's the basic, that's how it kind of worked. And it just involved this thing where, 
you got to hire people, you know, you got to get a website. It just became this huge thing. And single family is pretty easy. It's really not too bad. You get weird calls, but it's not, it's intermittent. And I think what changed me the most is when I started to go to commercial and you start getting larger tenants, you're adding more zeros to everything. And it just evolves into this business. So did you start off doing management on all your properties? Oh yes, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would go, still to this day, I I take the commercial. I just don't trust anyone else to, this is a problem we have. We talked earlier about me letting go, right? Mm-hmm. I just don't trust anyone else to do it. Residential is easy. We have people that can go do that. I mean, running a house right now is simple, but for years I did all that. And I'm glad I did. I think it's a skill you develop. You learn how to talk to people. It's like one of my first jobs I had was um, a host at Brazenhead. It's an Irish bar. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you got to greet these people and do small talk. And I think that in conjunction with the real estate helped me become a pretty good agent. I still have my license, but I don't I don't do it anymore. I don't trade time for dollars anymore. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's interesting. You know, our last guest that we had on, he he talked about uh, working in uh, the retail business as well. And, yeah. You know, I worked in retail and I feel like lots of those skills related over because I did all the leasing at first. I, I did, I did all those things. Once again, I was pretty useless with a hammer. I would yeah. pick it up out of necessity when I needed to change That's the only locks. Tool but I can use as a hammer actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I was not good at it, but I, I think the ability to understand a customer's basic needs, mm-hmm. because as a server or any type of those careers, you're looking to create a positive experience and a result that that's going to end up not only satisfying them, but thus satisfying you and raising your, your overall income or just your overall satisfaction with your job, get you the next promotion, et cetera. I think it's, I think it's critical. I, you know, I, I joke about this, but you know, if it's not my son starting a lawn care company in the next year or two, I told him he should, him and James should, uh, get together for it it is going and working in some type of service industry to get those skills. Yeah, it's funny you say it because while I was in college, even before in high school, I started a mowing company and it kind of got out of control. We had 40 accounts and I was pulling, I was saving 25 grand a summer, which is a lot of money back then for you know a kid. That's huge. Yeah, for, and so I was able that to That is pay for more credit. than the average American saves. Yes, and so, and, but I didn't have expenses. My yeah. Mom, it's like, okay, <laughs> Thanks, my mom, mom would pay for the gas and the mower. And the <laughs> there mower, you go. So it is, it, but you know, I think it's more than that. It's like, it teaches work ethic. I mean, you gotta load those, you gotta bag everything, you gotta load those bags up. And that's one thing I wanna harp on with my kids, especially as a father is, it's not all country clubs. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to earn it. And it's not always going to be easy. You know, how are you going to handle the adversity when it comes? Man. Okay. So how, how did you like, it? I mean, it, I feel like you make it almost, I'm not going to say sound easy, but you, but you also make it sound, you make it sound simple. You don't make it sound easy. So how can you relate with that? Because oftentimes, I mean, I've only been doing this for seven years and you've been doing it for 17, about 17 years or so. And, you know, so I'm not a, I'm not an expert or, you know, super advanced or a veteran, but you know, I'm intermediate. I know what's going on. I I, I know what's going on. I I understand a lot of the steps and everybody's always looking for the shortcut. And when I tell them that the process, I mean, there's a really simple process to get decent at real estate to get in deals with 
and you don't need to have an extravagant amount of money. It's you're going to educate yourself. You're going to get up earlier than everybody. You're going to work your mind and your body physically. Mm -hmm. That's going to clear out all the noise and all the other things that are, that are not serving you. You're going to write down your goals and you're going to make actions and you're going to network and meet up with people. The, those are the basic things. And then you're going to take action. There's really nothing else to do now, no. how you do it and the people you're talking to, et cetera. Yeah. There's details in that, but it's once again, that's one layer removed. It's not, it's not very difficult. It's just hard. It is hard. And you know, when I first met you, when you saved my son's butt at that wrestling tournament, <laughs> I, I was like, I'm not, I, first time I really met Colin, I do know Emily, but, uh, I he was getting ready to wrestle and our coach wasn't around. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like, he kind of looks like a wrestler. <laughs> like, uh, hey, you, you help my kid. And so he was up there. And so, and then I got talking to Colin and he, all the language, he knew everything I was talking about, all the jargon, he got the issues with tenants and it just, so you do obviously know what you're doing and there's different types, like your path has been multifamily. There's different paths, definitely. Yeah. But I think in real estate, it's easy. Okay, it's like my parents, we know eventually we're gonna pay this thing off. So if you start from owing 100,000 on a property and then 20 years later to zero, you're gonna have equity. You're gonna pay this thing off. Now, did they know about, you know, cash flow and multi-dimensional, like, depreciation. I don't know if they knew that, but they wanted real things in the stock market. I mean, it's like the old question, how many people do you really know became millionaires in the stock market? It's not, you can, I mean, you can invest 8% annually, but there's so much more advantages to real estate. So if you start here and your goals here, it's much easier to get there in real estate as opposed to it's going to ebb and flow with the economy. Do you manage all of these in-house yourself? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We've thought about taking, you know, making life easier and giving it to other people. And there are days, I, there are days I want to do that, but um, no one's going to do a better job than you. That's fair. Yeah. You have to keep your eyes on. Now, I, do I handle all the issues? No. Right. They go to an email. I, if it's a big issue, I just tell them it's a thousand dollars. Don't bother me. But if it's a bigger issue, if we have a hole in a roof or something, you should probably call me. Yeah. Um, but in the, my time is spent more now on not working in the business, working on the business. So Hailstorm comes through in 2021 or whatever it was, and we have 58 claims and several million. I got to deal with that aspect of it, not leasing. And, you know, I'm more on acquisitions, which has been challenging right now. And I know it makes it sound easy, but I was doing it at an easier time than mm -hmm. you guys were. And things were bad in 08. I mean, I remember going to an auction one time. There was a house going for like, I think it was $2,500. Nobody bought it. The wow. cheapest house I ever bought, and you can fact look this up, is on 60th and Seward. Not a bad area. It's like kind of yeah. Memorial Park, Blondo. Bought it for $7,700. Still there today. I still own it. You could buy these things for $30,000, $12,000. Now, you had to put money into them. Don't get me wrong. They weren't nice. Yeah. You wouldn't want to live there, but everything can be fixed. Um, and back then, you know, we were renovating so much. Really, taxes were an issue because you're putting money back into it. Now, another thing I, I meet with my accountant regularly because we have to figure out, okay, what are we going to buy? Are we doing cost seg studies? So my time is spent in different areas. You yeah. Know? Explain, uh, I mean, you and I know what a cost seg study is, but will you just explain what the, yeah, absolutely. What the basic so principle like is? If you buy, and, and sadly, it doesn't work as well on single family. I think they only let you do like 15%. Um, not as much. I, not as much, but say you buy a million dollar building. And you can hire a company to do it. My Lutz is who I use. They do an in-house one. They The first year they go in and they depreciate like the lights, the plumbing, the copper wires, everything at a faster rate. You can't obviously depreciate the land, 
but they can do it about 30%. So year one, you can, if you need it, you can take a $300,000 loss with that depreciation. The problem is at some point, you're going to run out of depreciation if you don't keep buying or you don't die and leave it to your kids. So yeah. at sooner or later, as you guys know, the depreciation game is a huge battle. Taxes is a big expense. You don't want to leave them out. So that is what my time has been spent on a lot is meeting with my meeting with Ben, our accountant, and saying, okay, what plans can we implement to minimize our tax liability? Uh, are you purchasing these things with partners? Or is this like an F when you say, when I say partners, that could include family? Or the how? only people I have partners with is my parents when I first started, because who's going to give a 19 year old kid, you know? Yeah. So, but then I have my own stuff. I, most of it's my own. I have a couple. And then I have yeah. one friend, my best friend in my wedding. I recently let him, uh, I got to be careful. I don't want to tag along. He's yeah. <laughs> I let him text, well, well so you said it much nicer than I would have, uh, but he's, you know what he's proved to be uh, now. I think he's got 12 rentals. And I let him in a couple of buildings. He doesn't do a whole lot, but if I ask him to go do something, he does it. So, and he does a good job. I gotta give him, he's learning. And I think having a partner can be good. I've never done partners just to bounce ideas off. Like I can ask him, he's like, uh, I think you're having a bad day, Brett. That's not the best idea. Yeah. Let's not do that. And let's figure out. So I think it's been, financially has been that beneficial, but maybe your, your emotional, um, how you feel about a property, having a partner can kind of separate that. It's like we're in this together. Which affects it financially, perhaps. It does. Your emotions can, we're humans. It, yeah. it's sadly, emotion, investing should not be emotional. You know, it should be, this is what the numbers are. But there are sometimes with tenants and other issues that come up that you do get an off day. Yeah. And you got to be careful about that. Yeah. I, I remember there was once I let a resident move in, I think like four days before their lease started. They're like, please, can I move in? I was like, the place isn't cleaned. You know, there's, there's going to be dust everywhere. It's not too bad, but it's like, at your own risk, like just, just know this is, I am going to handle this, but this is a favor. Mm -hmm. Like I highly recommend not doing it. Once again, it was my first year at investing and I'm taking all the calls and I'm, I'm Mr. You know, smile in every yeah. aisle, you know, used to work at Hy-Vee and I'm being very polite to the individual. No less than 12 hours later, I got six phone calls, multiple videos of complaints yeah. about dog fur, everything everywhere. And, uh, I called him back and uh, I'm, I'm a fairly intense person at certain points. Uh, thank you, Chris, to, uh, yeah, for often. listening to me sometimes often um, where, you know, that, that's, uh, that there was probably a reason there probably should not have called then. And I basically said, listen, you can get out right now or you don't have a place to stay. Like I did yeah. you the favor. And I probably said it a little bit more sternly than that. The next day I'm like, man, I've got to put like a 12 hour rule on this stuff or asleep on it. Because to your point, there, there's oftentimes that emotion gets tagged into it. You know, you're coming from one side, they're coming from another. And honestly, nobody's wrong. But, you know, there are also steps there that I mitigated next time. One, you don't let anybody move in early when the right. lease is assigned to a certain date. You, you practice what the business says. This is a business. This isn't a charity. This isn't something for fun. This is something that we actually take the business steps and, and you know execute on. We're going to give you the correct product, and that's all we're going to do. And we're, now you have layers upon layers. So you would have not got, you would have had someone else respond. Absolutely. If you have layer, and having layers is huge. But when you first start, you can't have layers, right? No, you can't and afford you, it. And you got to have... You got to make sure you know how to operate if you have, you know, what if everyone quit on you or you had a mutiny on your hands, you know, and you just got to be careful what you do and say. I remember uh, a couple of years ago on Easter Sunday, 
um, at my in-laws. And anytime you get a, you'll know this, a 444 number on your caller ID mm-hmm. as a landlord, it's not good. No, yes, it's not yes. Because either going to be the city or the cops. No, yes. no one's calling you to congratulate you or do a piece on you or anything. No, no. Well, <laughs> a young, I bought a building in Benson and somehow a gentleman had hit the front of the building where the gas meters were mm. and the whole block had to be evacuated. And the news was down there. So I go down there and uh, I just want to inspect the damage. I mean, it got handled and insurance covered it, but the reporter from Channel 6 was there and she's like, could I get your comment? And I'm like, no. And my dad's with me. He's like, why don't you get on the news? I go, dad, unless I'm handing out sandwiches to the homeless, I'm not being on the news. <laughs> unless I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. I just I just felt you, you stay out of the spotlight. There are people who I think do really well in the spotlight, You know, maybe like a John Lund or something, something like that, but... Not for me. My focus is on my family, you know, and there's a lot of investors who try to build it quietly, mm-hmm. you know, just do it quietly. I'm like, you know, we talk about every morning I do that cold plunge and sauna and work. Th- those things are important to me. Um, and I've got, I've got my group of friends I like. They're, you know, but they're, they're nice people. And, you know, I, I like things the way I like them. Yeah. You know, you know? I, I don't, I maybe not challenging myself as much, but I, I like to travel and do the things I like. So. If you're buying houses for $8,000, you're sitting, sitting pretty okay right things now. are good now things are good it wasn't like it wasn't always that way though i mean you we go into these houses and i mean i would try to help out with stuff i'd throw things in the dumpster and and then finally they're like okay let's go in your car here and they're like see that tool bag and then take it from me like you're you're done <laughs> yeah my maintenance guy is like i remember the day i just walked in your car and got your tool bag i was like you go drive around in one of your cars you can come here but you cannot do any more work and i was like okay that, that, that's right. I mean, I think, you you know, and it's something that I asked Chris and I, you know, all the time, we just had a traction meeting and just to go over EOS and it's like, okay, how can you continue to delegate yourself out of things? So, but the things you can delegate yourself out of are, are things that can be repeatable by other individuals. However, yeah. all of us sitting here have a certain superpower. Maybe it's one, maybe it's two, but there's things that only Brett or Chris can do. Yeah. And, and those are the things we need to do. Yeah. Yes. And it comes with experience too, right? Like, did I know about cost seg studies when I first, I was like, wow, no. And now we need to, it's almost like, do we have to buy to get the depreciate? It's a weird time. And, you know, with rates the way they are, I, I just talked to my banker yesterday and I, I'm looking at buying a couple properties and like a package deal. I'll know today whether I get them or not. But, um, and I'm like, okay, what's, what's the rate right now on commercial money? He's like 8%. And I was like, no, what's my rate? And he goes, that is your rate. You might be able to get seven and three quarters, but that's your rate. It's ugly. And I was like, well, Kevin, uh, we need to look, we need to talk about this. He's like, no, that's what it is. I think Dundee Bank is a point higher. I, I mean, I like my guy. I'm going to stay with my guy, but I don't know. It's just so much, it's harder to make it work at 8% rate. And it's harder because everyone has the same idea. I don't think, I, I'm always weary about making predictions, but single family's not going anywhere. 40% of the homes in America don't have mortgages on them. The remaining one of those are between 4 and 3%. Even if you had to take unemployment benefits, you could still find it, you know, I don't see any distressed buyers. I just don't. Now, commercial, that I don't know. That's the big, you know, there's a stigma in the media about, I I think in your business, yours is a little different with separate commercial, multifamily. So separating commercial, yeah. multifamily and office space. Yeah, yeah multifamily is going to be fine. People need, people generally prefer to live indoors, right? Yes. Everyone's got to get up and go to the bathroom somewhere in the morning. So what you're doing is great. I My office I am a little, I'm not getting as many calls as I can, as I have, but I'm starting to see it a little bit. 
So, so what do you think the, and this is something I wanted to talk about. And once again, our, our last guest, we were, we're wondering like, what's going to happen. We're like, okay, if, if we look at a deal and even if it's not cash flowing that great now, what happens when rates drop all of a sudden the values skyrocket. If we're at 8% now, what happens when interest rates are five and a half percent? That's a good question. So nobody has a crystal ball. My, what I think is going to happen is I think they're going to bump it one more time, which is already kind of baked in the cake with mm -hmm. the rates. So it doesn't really affect us and they're going to leave it. But I don't know if rates are going to, we're used to the three and 4%. Like I made all my banker lock everything in what I had. Cause you don't, I don't carry a lot of debt, but what I did, I made them lock it in at three and a half percent for 10 years fixed. So I, I knew this was going to happen, but I think it's going to normalize, normalize around five or six. I think that's just the rate. I don't know that in the next 20 years we'll see be able to borrow. I, I could be wrong. I don't think so. I agree with you. No, I, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. But I, so it was a good time when you guys started to take advantage of low rates. Because look at the arbitrage. We were in the sixes when we first started. Yeah, when we first started, it was sixes. Six, so yeah. 20, 2017 is when oh, I first you did? started. Okay, so, and then, so but you were able to probably refi, oh, yeah. gain equity. And then, you know, you're, you're paying down. You're able to borrow and things are going up. It's a perfect storm. Yep. It was. It, yeah, it really is. And if you just buy and you... Um, Buy and hold is always a great solution. Every time I've sold something, I've almost, re almost every time I've same. regretted it. I hate it. Why did I sell? Now I'm trying to buy back the same. I got a crazy story for you. This is kind of off topic, but. It's uh, all on topic. Man. Yeah, it it's, is. Real, it's real estate related. So I have a good friend. We buy each other and sell each other real estate. And um, in I bought a house in 2011 at 72nd, and we'll call it Maple, for 15000 Smallest house you've ever seen. One bedroom, but it was still a buy. And the lady was kind of uh, tenant. She came with a tenant. So it's, oh. always, it's always the best kind, right? That's perfect. You, you inherit a problem. Um, she had a, we got a letter from the city. She had uh, reached her chicken limit mm. of how many, you can only have 10 chickens. Only 10? Only 10. So why can't you have a dozen? How are you going to get a dozen eggs every know. day? I don't know. Why not a goat? Th that's that's where do, insane. Where do we stop? Let's, rate, let's protest for that. I was never, I was only in it once. Anyway, my buddy pulls up with this new C7 Corvette. And I see it. And he's like, you know, he's got five kids. He's kind of going through a midlife crisis. He's like, I don't know why I bought this thing. Um, do you want to buy it from me? I was like, in that day, that lady, I'd watched her where my office is. People can't see me when they come in, but uh, I can see them. And I see her. My cousin was working for me at the time. And she stopped in front of the door, took the money out of her sock and gave it to him. Nice. And it was at that point, I'm like, I really don't need this house. So I traded him the house for the Corvette. That's hilarious. And I still have the Corvette. <laughs> Last year, he uh, he had some family things go on, and he's like, "I want out of my houses." I bought the same property back from him. That's funny. Yeah, isn't it amazing with real estate? So that's what I found. Like, there's a, there's a scarcity mindset and abundance mindset. You know, mm -hmm. it's however you look at it. Oh well, I don't want to pay the agents fees because of this, or you know, there's competition. We're fighting over properties, etc. However, it, what I've noticed there's a way for individuals, multiple individuals, to make money in deals and continue to do that. Like you profited, your buddy profited, everybody wanted this, and it's going to continue on that cycle. And I think people don't realize that because real estate continues to go up in value. There, there's there's hiccups. Yeah. We're, we're probably in a little bit of a hiccup right now. But if you look at it, it's in a good area. It's going to, and it's well, well maintained. It's going to continue to go up in value. Absolutely. I do yeah. not think we'll see an 08 incident in our lives at time. I really don't. I could be wrong, but I don't see that happening. I see 08 was so bad. I remember buying these properties cheap. I'm like, shoot, this, the last time this sold for that cheap was in the eighties. 
So I knew the difference was I knew they were cheap. Yeah. Then. I knew because you could buy it and still cash flow. And that's, I'm all about being a value investor. Cash flow to me is everything. Pay it down, don't have a, too, too much leverage. And there's a time and a place for leverage, you know, but I was all cash flow first. And that ended up working out because everything appreciated. You know, I really don't bank on appreciation. I, I invest for cash flow all, always, always. Um, now it's a little different because we're in a funky market. Mm -hmm. It is hard to find things that cash flow right now. Or that uh, are even going to qualify for the DSCR. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. becoming one of the most yeah, difficult. Yeah. Is the bank going to be like, hey, are they going to prove this? Now what you have to find, I think what you guys are really good at is finding value add. Hey, these are all one, one bedroom units. Can we make them two? Can we add a washer and What can we do to add value, to increase cash flow, get a higher loan and go that way? The challenge is now it's 8%. So what's going to happen when all these commercial people who had borrowed their payment balloons in five years, everything was chill at 4%, but at eight, it's a little bit tricky. It changes. It changes, changes your dynamic. And so will there be opportunities available? I think yes, in office but you got to be able to hold them. You got to be able to fill them or repurpose them. That, that, so that was going to be my next question of the repurposing. I mean, real estate is or multifamily is boxes within a box. Yes. That, that's all it is. I yeah. mean, people overcomplicate it. You can think of it as change the zoning, et cetera. But you know, office spaces, I mean, are a box with cubicles in that and, it is. and other boxes. Mm -hmm. So ha have you looked at, or have you thought of doing any types of conversions in case something does come up or just in general, looking at converting those to multifamily or, you know, I've been asked this a lot and I think it, first of all, it's a challenge because of the plumbing, the mm -hmm. zoning. Omaha is not the friendliest of uh, rezoning in, in the neighbors. And it's very difficult to get things done in Omaha. Um, I have tried tried to insulate myself in office and that I, I have more BC stuff, right? Those buildings on Dodge Street that you see, I don't own any of those for a reason. I don't want to own a 30,000 foot space that's open because I just feel like that's, you know, the pandemic's taught us that that doesn't need to happen. However, um, we have a lot of like therapists. That's, that can only go telehealth. That's personal. That can only go telehealth. Um, massage therapist, that's something you need to go see chiropractors. I've aligned myself with service-based people and that's who I go for. Do we still get the kind of people are like, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling with my business. Okay. Uh, we, we, you know, but we make it work. I always thought restaurants would do terrible. Anytime I have a kitchen in one of my spaces, it goes like that. People always think that they can come in and do a restaurant. So, so that's so a, funny. So that's an interesting question. Cause I was going to ask what the turnover is because I'm, I'm going to make up the stat. 98% of restaurants fail. Yeah. That's, that's not a true stat. <laughs> Sounds right but, though. Yeah. yeah but, <laughs> sure. but I mean, yeah. no, but it really is because it's, it's similar to like getting an agent's license or something. It's, it's a very low barrier of entry. And what I mean by low barrier of entry is most everybody has cooked something at some point yes. and most people like food. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's like an easy sell to think about when starting a business. Yeah, and I think difficult to operate. It is like we have an El Salvadorian restaurant and a strip mall, a Chinese restaurant, and a Thai place, and um, uh, Hispanic bakery as well. So those type of like eclectic. If you want Chinese, you're gonna go get Chinese food. Mm -hmm. But if you want to make like a all American burger place. I think we could come up with something like we could do that together. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. You could do hot dogs. And I mean, that's why kids are doing at concession stands at baseball games. Right. So um, it really depends on the, the credibility of the person too. have they had experience. You know, it's, when we run their background, it's really hard to get like a 550 credit score. Like you got to work at that to do that. <laughs> so if, if you have that, that's a red flag. And um, we have certain rules where limits we're at. And I like to believe in people, but you got to treat everyone the same. 
This episode is brought to you by Raven. This is a company that we're affiliated with. So our business, Eleven Wealth, is a part of this business. And we are so excited for this opportunity. Uh, what this is, is a real estate company that invests into value-add opportunities and in the process actually installs solar implementation into the buildings. And so we decarbonize the atmosphere. We also install low flow uh, water conservation mechanisms, and we have a social aspect to it as well. Raven allows investors to get into real estate for as low as $250. We have plenty of investors who've invested a lot more than that, but the minimums on this are only $250. There's a 10% return on that money and it's backed by real estate. So I just really stress people to go to join Raven Raven.com. That's uh, join Raven, R-A-Y-V-E-N.com. Take a look at the website. It's fantastic what we're doing, not only as investors, but obviously for the planet. Uh, JoinRaven.com. It's phenomenal. Yeah. So how do you structure, um, knowing that you're in kind of BC class office retail space, mm-hmm. how are you, how are you uh, adjusting for tenant improvements? Are you adding those in or what, what, what does that look that's like? That's a really good question. When I was younger, I made the mistake of giving a lot of TI out in the way of we'll do the work, mm. you know, well, Hey, we'll do this. We'll do this. And what happens is what if they only stay there for a little bit? You know, these um, testosterone clinics that are, are, you see up, well, this was back in the day. And I had a guy come to me out of Texas and he had one, showed it was great. And we're like, we'll build you out a nice space. And we did. It was beautiful. Like Corian countertops, everything was nice. Well, long story short, they, I think they, they got me for like eight or nine grand. It's not the end of the world, but it's irritating. Right. And after I built this whole space for them. So I learned a valuable lesson. It's like, okay, what we will do is we'll give you some free rent. We'll work that into you. If you want TI, maybe we could build it into the lease, but you got to handle it. I don't want my guys doing it. We're too busy. Oh, and if you want flooring, why don't you pay for half of the flooring or something? So it's a case-by-case basis. A lot of agents will, like, my leasing is done 98% by me. Other agents will come in and then they'll ask, okay, we want to have $10 a foot. We want three months rent. And oh, by the way, we want my commissions. And I have no problem paying them commissions, but... I have not seen, other than a few agents, I have not seen the value in people bringing me stuff. I, I kind of, that's that control thing. I yeah. want to be in control of the situation. But but there's also a lot to be said of skin in the game. And it's funny because I was just having this conversation yesterday with Thomas, my son. Um, so he's into baseball cards and oh, there's yeah. other, other things called squeezy mates, but um he's collecting them. And I'm also talking to him about different bartering systems. Like I used to sell candy at school. I'd buy it bulk and I would sell it. You know, I was, yeah. it was great margins. I was, you know, quadrupling it and it was still beating the prices that they're actually selling at school. Then a girl ratted me out, but I was making 50 bucks a day. It was Gosh, awesome. Was I know. I know. It was great. Everybody was coming to the candy man. Um, but he, he, I've been telling him about this. I'm like, if you buy these little squeezy mate things, a little squishy yeah. basketball players, and mm-hmm. some of them are rare, some of them aren't, Expensive. They're like twenty four bucks for four of them. So six wow. bucks. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They, they're the ones that have the a real thing with the squeezing. In, yeah. Inflation's yeah. a real thing, but they're super popular. I'm like Thomas. You know, you could go sell three of these for ten bucks, and then you buy a new package, and then you have one for free, and then you got a little, you know, li- li- awesome, li- little yeah. little cream on top. So, so we've been talking to him about this for like a year, more so just kind of the activity of it and just like the exercise of it, of like, get get the brain going of how how you actually create profit and create value. And I'm like, the value that you're creating is you're buying four and you're bringing one to a place where they don't exist. Now, now you have the value there. Well, yesterday, two of them are missing from his bag and I'm like, cool, where did they go? Oh, I gave them to so-and-so. Did you collect the money? No, but I, but I trust he's going to pay. So I'm going to find out today if, if, uh, if he collected, because I told him it's, uh, 
you know, it's, it's hard once you want something, but once you have it and then to give up something and not having that skin in the game, there's a little bit of conflict of interest there. Yeah, I mean, it's why there's credit card debt and people don't want to pay it back. It's fun to do that event, but then all of a sudden you have the, you have to pay it back. So I'm interested third, to see what happens. Third grade debt collection is probably a real thing. It's tough. It, it, it is. It's it funny is. when we were kids, you, you talk about t selling these for $10. Do you remember these little thing pogs? Oh yeah. Uh, this is always for 10 cents. Oh yeah. I sound like my father, but it's, it's true. It's like, it's just, everything's gotten more expensive. Yeah. And I think that um, in conjunction with the housing, it's, it's going to be tough. And the next year things are going to get, I think things are going to be challenging for a lot of, they already are for a lot of people, but I do have some concerns about what, how they're going to solve this housing crisis. You know, I just don't see it. Like we put something on Zillow for single family and it go, we get, you know, 80 contacts right away. Mm -hmm. It's insane. And we're, uh, we're still pushing the rent up. We're, we're pushing the envelope on rent and we're still getting it. It comes down to, is the house nice? If the house is nice and you have good pictures and you, you, you respond to tenant calls, you fix everything, it's going to rent and you're going to get a premium. Like, for example, when we started, our houses were 11, 1300. Uh, they just listed one today for $3,200. Wow. Yeah. What, what is that? Like a three, two, four, two? That would be a, f uh, f we'll call it a four, two, but it's okay. kind of a fifth non conforming. So that is, it's a it, nice area, 90th and Pacific, you know. Still though. But that's incredible. I mean, I bought my first house in Papillion. This was in 2010. It was 2010. It was like a celebrity home, three, mm -hmm. two. Nice. I mean, it was, you know, maybe had one owner before it. I paid, I think, 119. My mortgage was 736. I was with taxes, insurance, yeah, principal. Right. My down payment, I think, was like seven grand or six grand. I mean, you talk about what livable was and, you know, I was actually gaining equity into it. You were, it was, a, it was a manageable circuit and that's how it was when you'd buy things. And now 119 for that house, we'd oh, we, we, I cash off right now. What do yeah. you want? Yeah. What do you want out of it? But, oh, for sure. It's just the way it is, you know? Um, and I don't see that changing sadly for single family. I feel bad for if you were a kid, 22, 24, getting married, trying to buy a house right now. It's not ideal. No. Not I, only do you have an inventory problem, you have an interest rate problem. And I don't see it going away. I don't know how they're going to solve it. I don't have the answers for that, but it's going to, it's going to be interesting how it shakes out. Yeah. Starter homes are, you know, in that 250 range mm -hmm. and it's. And even up in the million, million, I mean, we looked at, we always look at moving, you know, I don't see how we're going to find a comparable house, but it's fun to look though. It's fun to it, look it on Zillow, look. you yeah. know, and um, even the million dollar stuff still going a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple houses in Omaha that's like, yeah, probably not going to sell this for six million or whatever, five million, whatever they want to get yeah. out of it. But even in that price range, people are still spending. Um, I just don't know. I thought this economy would have cooled off by now, but it just keeps going. So I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I, I think money's moving around. I, I do think, unfortunately, like it, this is why just buying any house and any sort of asset is so important. It is. It is absolutely necessary. No matter who you are, if you want 2,700 rentals, if you want hundreds of thousands of square feet of office, or if you just want some safety net for the future, it is buying a home to utilize as a rental or some sort of asset. Because when the economy goes crazy, which, you know, we'll, we'll come back in three, four or five years, listen to this and say if I'm wrong or I'm right. But I mean, I can see lots of these single family homes doubling in price again because yeah. institutions are purchasing them. They're getting squeezed on margins. They're happy to pay more. The cost to build is getting higher. Yes. 
also people are, I mean, it hasn't gone up the same as what their purchasing power is, but wages have still probably doubled for the most they part. They have, they have an Omaha is a big little city. You know, Omaha is not a bad city. We're protected here other than the property taxes. Oh my gosh, dude, uh, that is, that, that is something that is so underrated. And, and yeah, it's, um, or I'll, overrated. I yeah. Don't know. We, you know, I spend every year, I spend some time protesting. Now it's hard to protest when the values are, but I probably spent three or four days actually driving around, taking pictures. You know, I don't go to these properties very often. So I think it's a good thing to do. I usually win most of them, but now what I'm seeing is, okay, they're only giving me like 15,000 off on the value in all to get cumulatively. It makes sense. Right. I mean, it's yeah. worth my time, but it's like, I'm not hitting the only one I won was big time was my house. And that was about it. Cause they had the square footage wrong, but it's not the same. It's hard, harder to make it work. Yeah. So, I mean, and think about what that does to the actual like commercial investment industry. Not only have your rates doubled, but the values that they're assessed at have mm -hmm. maybe doubled. Taxes are your likely your biggest expense. Absolutely. And I was just talking to a gentleman yesterday. He called me and I'm starting to get the calls now for single family or mm -hmm. for office. He's like, Hey, I want to let this building go. And we went, I read the release and it's like, well, you don't have triple nets on this lease. And now it's it's assessed at 1.2 and you want two out of it, your property taxes are gonna double because they're you're not protected by the nets. And so you I'm a big advocate of getting the triple net leases in place. I wish there was a way to do it on single family and multifamily. If you guys have cracked that nut, let me know. That'd but wouldn't that be great? Yeah. But there's there's so many well, things seller financing. You could sell or finance your single family homes. You could, yeah, you could. And I've I I've done that a few times. To us. I mean, yeah, we could you, start of course, yeah, there you go. For, yeah. 40 year AM, right? Yeah, 40 year AM, low rate, five percent. We'll yeah. go, yeah, we'll go a point above what you're yeah, paying. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, make it make it worth for it. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. And you know, and it's just like going back to when I started, things were so much different. I remember getting upset about, you know, a $300 charge here or there. And when you start out, you just don't have anything, you know. And then working with my dad was a really interesting subject, if you want to go over that a little bit, yeah. too. Uh, working on these air Still, He still has the business. He's 72, and he goes to work all the time. Dude, he looks great. He I does. see him he at looks, the baseball games all yeah, the time. He looks phenomenal. You never know what he's going to say, so you have to be careful. But uh, <laughs> No, it's great. It's, I, it's, love it. you know, it's, I love it's, it. I love it. You can get away with that when, he's, when you're older. You yeah. can get away with that. But, you know, I would go through and uh, drove a three-quarter ton truck for years with tools in the back, which worked well for real estate because even though I wasn't able to do anything, if guys would drop need a load of tile, I would go pick it up at Lowe's. I mean, now I don't do that. I don't, I just don't have the time. It's not that I'm above it or anything. I just don't have the time to do that with kids. Mm -hmm. And so we would go to these places, all these manufacturing companies. And there was this one we went to that was called, uh, it was a hog confinement that would slaughter hogs up in Hospers, Iowa, in the middle of nowhere. And I worked all day with my dad, um, working on different projects. And um, I had a guy's trip coming up. And I decided I was going to try to work out for the first time in four years. So I'm on the treadmill <laughs> running, which I haven't done for four years. And I'm achy. And then my dad calls me. It's 830 at night. I was at the 24-hour fitness. And he's like, hey, that plant went down and we need to go up there now. And I was like, it's 8 o'clock at night. He's like, no, they're going to pay us to come up. We got to come up. So... We go up and then we get, it's a three hour drive. So we get there and my dad gets sick on the way up there. And so he has to stay in the car and sleep. And I go down, these compressors are in the basement down there. And I go down there and he's like, oh, before we go down there, you need to put on these special boots. And I was like, well, I have boots. He's like, no, um, the floor drains have clogged mm, down there. Nice. And it rained. Nice. And I didn't really understand what that <laughs> meant. 
But you know, we're up there. It's it's late. It's midnight. You know, I'm you're still, a plumber now. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. And these compressors are older than me. And up to my knees, there is intestines of hogs floating around in the water. The flies are. This is a real thing. Flies. And I was like, "What am I? I got the thing fixed in like an hour and a half." And we walk out of there. My dad's asleep in the car. And uh, Man, he worked you. Yeah, it was, <laughs> oh, yeah. It was good for me though. This is. I tell the story because it's a point. And so. Um, and I was like, hey, do you want your boots back? He's like, no, dude, you, you keep those boots. <laughs> and so we walk up there and the guy was really happy with my dad. He ended up buying a couple more machines and still was a customer this year. But it was the grossest thing I've ever seen. Get in the car and my dad still sleeps. He's like, I'll drive home. What I didn't anticipate was the flies. The flies had followed me mm. in there. 15 flies, got them all out. I had to pull over at the North Omaha exit because I couldn't go anymore and I drove home. And that was, the, I think I got home at 4.30 in the morning and that was one of the hardest days of my life. That's uh, that's beautiful. I, I I remember the, it was like the first week I quit my corporate job and found out I had just purchased seven Plex and found out that it was bed bug infested. Mm. When I say infested, it yeah. was, I mean, black stripes everywhere, mattresses full. Like oh. they they were twice the weight because of the amount of, bed bug debris. Oh. And I remember listening to, you know, a combination of Slipknot and Madonna spending four to five hours <laughs> spraying this place. And, you know, I just kept having the thought of like, you know, what's the, what's the purpose of this? You know, did like, did I make a mistake, et cetera, I get home, I've got to strip down, you know, basically toss the clothes. But I'll tell you what it does is it raises your level of expectation for not only yourself, but, but others and what you're going to tolerate and what you'll do. And I think just having that grit to do those things is incredibly important at least once or multiple times, because you've just now like peeled back a layer that, that you, that won't be put back on you. You've hardened yourself. You've calloused yourself for life and what it actually is. Is that, is that what you think your dad was trying to do for you? Uh, I think, or just take a good nap. I think he just wanted to make the customer happy, but yes, in a roundabout way. Yes. Because I think you're right. I don't think really it's like that Rocky Balboa thing. I don't think it's how hard you hit. It's how hard you can get hit. Yeah. And what things I can deal with are not normal. Like my wife's like, you're insane. <laughs> like you have all this property and you keep our windows old so you can protest them on the property tax to save a little money. You're insane, Brett. And this is like, yeah, but that's how I got to be this way. You know, it wasn't... You, I think you really have to be conservative financially and delay gratification. And you get to the point where maybe you could replace the wind. I could probably do that, but yeah, you probably, you probably should. Yeah, you probably should at this point. Or just not get a new car. I think that I think there's probably hey, an argument hey, there. The cars are <laughs> hey, and the last one I bought for her. So you can't, you that can't is say true. anything about that. That so. is true. But I think you gotta have a little fun too. You get to a point where you know you're approaching 40 and uh you have to have a little fun, especially with your kids. Like we travel a lot. That's that is important. Last year I took my son to the Super Bowl. That was awesome. That's like great. that was a fun thing to do. It was expensive. It was unreasonable. His first NFL game was the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think when he hits about 13, he might be hanging up to the hog plant with me. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. He, he, there, you have to have, make sure they're tough. I made him do the, like we talked earlier, I made him do that cold plunge. Like how tough are you? My daughter on their hand. I don't know much. I didn't have sisters. I went to prep. That's going to be, it's a whole nother thing with her. And there are little angels. They're like so I, sweet. They I know. Everything. She's, she's, she's so she's kind. Everything. She's so, yeah. yeah, my daughter's so cute. I mean, yesterday she ran up, hugged Izzy and like, I can't, yeah. like, 
like I, I can't yell at her. Like there's this force field of like getting angry and it doesn't happen. No, I w- I'll yell. I'll want to yell at her and I'll yell at my son. I'm like, you didn't even do anything. <laughs> I, I think it's like just a testosterone thing. And, and, but I think either way, whether it's boy, girl, whatever, you do have to develop some grit. And what what are you able to deal with? We've probably all three had days where there's it, it's rained in a building or there's a fire or there's some kind of tenant issue that's threatened to do this and call the city or whatever. Never. But no, probably never. Not, not even yesterday. But you know what? You, <laughs> you face it head on. Yeah. Because the, the reality is at this point, we have economies of scale and you can't let one little thing like that ruin your day. No, I think so many people get derailed. And I mean, I still find it with things. It's like, I, I keep wanting to, I've, I've got a gi, so I am going to do jujitsu, but it's nice. like, I'm trying to take atomic habits type things. Like oh, I put yeah. my workout clothes in front of me. I have, I have all these things. So now yeah, I have no it's excuses. A great book. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. But you know, we, we continue to make excuses of like, Oh, well, I didn't get a right amount of sleep last night or I tweaked something. So I can't go do that today. Same thing with business, same thing with any type of like personal attribute. We we as humans, for the most part, are not, we're resilient, but when we see something that causes us to stop and has a little bit of pain, our natural inclination is to go back to comfort. And, yeah. and comfort's not growing through that type of stress. And I think it's, you know, there's lots of people that, I, that I've talked to and I've, you know, that have gotten into real estate. I remember one kid, he called me, he's like, I bought this house and he's just freaking out, losing his mind. Yeah. And I'm like, just do these steps. And he's like, but no, man, I can't. Yeah. Never did it again because he just couldn't get over that barrier of pain. And that's common. You it, know, if, if you have, and it's fine if you have, if you have a W2 mentality and you, mm-hmm. when you, when you want to go home and be done, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Nope, nope. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I think that's fine. There are different people, right? Um, with me, I, like I said, if I get one of those four 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 number calls at nine o'clock, ooh, should I answer it? No, I have to. I have to do. You have to face your problems head on. And I think that's in real estate. Don't run from things. If you get an email or a text, you respond to it. You get it done right then and there. You don't. Yeah. That's why I tell you, you cannot. If you handle it at my office, you if you can, if you field the call, you handle it. You don't let it off and push it off someone. You deal with it right then and there. Mm. You know, you cannot run from things. You can't hide from things. You just got to deal with it. And not everybody has the temperament to be an investor, at least when it comes to real estate. Yeah, slash entrepreneur. Yeah, it's just not, it's not a fun thing. I mean, I oftentimes like thinking- uh, Rewarding. Yeah, why am I doing this sometimes? And I get, the biggest question I think I get asked from everybody, and it makes sense because of when I started this, how are you able to find deals? You know, how were you able to get it? And I think to me, they're asking the wrong question. I think they should ask me, what is your um, why? Why Why do you want to do this, first of all? Is it ego? Is it free time? What, what is it? For me, it was the ability of not having to be anywhere. I mean, it's one, was it one o'clock in the afternoon and we're talking into a microphones right now. Yeah. So not having to be somewhere, I can do what I want. And the truth is I could have retired a long time. I enjoy working. But if you find why you want, is it family time? Is it travel? If you find that why, then you'll find, you'll f- find the deals. You'll find your how. Yeah. We were talking yesterday about, you know, some different businesses that succeed and, you know, lots of people try to rely on, oh, this service is going to get it done for me. It's going to be the easy button. I'm going to hire them and it's going to get me there. And I was yeah. just, I just telling Chris, I was like, at the beginning, when we started this there, we didn't have an option to lose. Like we were not going to fail. Well said. Like we, we just weren't because we would put 
everything on the line. And it was because we had such a strong why that was embedded into us. It was, as you said, it was free time. It was, you know, I had a very clear vision of what my life was going to look like 33 mm-hmm. years from then, if I continued on that path. And that was something that I couldn't remove from my mind. And I'll tell you what, it, it, no matter how hard that day was, 4.45, you get up. Yeah. Tenant calls, I get that text message, 11.45, I'm getting back to him. Now I know I got to wait 12 hours, but, yeah. but- Or have someone else deal with it. Or have not, somebody not else. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it, it, just all those different things. And it's like, if your why is strong enough, you can take this level of pain that just, it's it becomes worth it. And honestly, I think Alex Hermosi says this, I'm going to butcher it, but basically the first time you come across a problem, it's a big problem. You're, you're just going through everything. You're calculating, you're calculating how you're going to do it. You're going to see the risk of it. You're going to see all the upsides, downsides of handling it. Well, you deal with it. And guess what? The second time it's a little bit easier. The third it, time, it then is. it's the thousandth time you've done it. It's no longer a problem. No, it's just part send, of the day. Yeah, you press send on your phone and it's completely out of your mind. And the good thing about real estate is, well, I don't think anybody can do this. I think anybody can try. It's just effort. That's all it is. You know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. You so like good. with me, I am not at my, my brother's a phys- He got all the good genes. He's smart. <laughs> a plus, you know, and then you have my friends taking the test with the NASA monkey. You know, it's like, uh, what are we going to do here, guys? This is not good. You know, we've got, you know, we got to figure us out. And I knew that, like, I really thought I'd be like, oh, I'll be a professional hockey player. I really thought that. Nice. And then I realized that's not, I'm not very good. <laughs> so that's not going to happen. And then I was like, when I was older in high school, I was like, well, a lot of these guys at prep, their parents are doctors. They, they live in Barrington Park, so we're going to do that. Well, it turns out I'm not smart far enough to do that either. So, I, you know, you have to find a way, a hack that you can make it. And a lot of, you know, I don't consider myself um, somebody who just wants, I, I want to help people, but real estate, you're, you're providing houses, but you're not doing an altruistic thing. You're doing it for you. And I think that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to make a profit as long as you go about it in the right way and make sure everyone and everyone who's running from you is happy, which is hard to do. Yeah. But, but I also think that regardless, like, and to your last point, as long as you're doing it the right way, you are providing improvement regardless. You are, you're bettering like the properties we bought that have hoarders in them are better now. Yes. And we're paying more taxes and we're buying the materials at lows and we're making the, so we, so we are now, am I going to say that's my reason for buying it? No, I'm buying it to become financially independent. Are are you saving children in the Congo? No, absolutely not. I mean, we donate, we help the little girl in Archara and Tyler. We we donate to all sorts of causes. And And you can do that because of real estate. But you know, I I didn't do that starting off. I accumulated, I did 1031s, I delayed gratification and I worked hard until I realized one day I was like, you know, I, I think we can, I think we can go replace these windows. Yeah. And I, think we can, I think we can do something. We can go out to dinner, Ashley. It's going to be okay. You know, so, but it wasn't until I had it really rolling. Until yeah. I got to that point. Yeah. No, I mean, we downsized houses within three years because of that. I was like, okay, that we've got some profit that we can get in there. We can pay half a property taxes, property taxes. Again, our expenses mm-hmm. will go down. I was like, Let's just gut it out for a couple of years. Oh, darn. And then we can figure it out. But yeah, as you said, delayed gratification. You are. And now, you know, you're on a lake house. So, you know, things are good, but you have to wait. And I don't think a lot of people, it's like an old man, younger people aren't willing to do that. They want the car. They they want the, they want the Porsche. They do. I see the agent that goes and makes their biggest commission of 30, 40,000. And and they go, they go trade in their Acura to get a Porsche. Yeah. And I, as a car guy, I get it. That, that Corvette. That's that's the wrong analogy for yeah, you, I guess. That but. <laughs> Corvette that I bought was like the first thing. And it, I kind of did it in a way that was financially intelligent. That was the first thing I got. And then of course, you know, you start thinking like, oh, 
that red Ferrari would be cool. I can afford this. <laughs> I can get this. And then, yeah. so, and then I'm going to get crap for this. And I, but remember how I told you that my college advisor said, told me C students don't go to college yes. or go to law school. When I, I was so, that's the thing about me is like, I'm like, I'm very competitive. I, I wish I wasn't, but I am competitive and I'm a little vindictive. So on the back, oh, when I, I got my first Ferrari, I, I had a C student on there. And, you know, you post that and you get some comments. That's okay, though. But for me, it was kind of like a redemption moment. Like, okay, I wasn't able to go in your framework in college, but I was able to do my own thing. I'm going to do it my own way. And so, I, and to me, I never would have done, I wouldn't have done well in law school. I don't do well in a format, in a system. You know, that's not how I operate. Yeah, it's funny because I had a similar thing in uh, high school. I didn't get into National Honor Society. My grades were there, everything. But apparently they didn't like how I behaved, acted and thought. Oh yeah. And, uh, they did not let me in. And, uh, I, I think about that all the time. I think about my, uh, calculus teacher and he's just like the first C I had ever got in my life. He gives it to me at, you know, graduation, put me right under a 4.0, just, yeah. j- just the guy to do That's that. Good. Yeah. Well, I went to Berlin, New Mexico. It was a great school, but you know, the, the education wasn't the toughest, but you know, I just remember those things and they're just such driving factors, you know, yeah, and, and not to say anything of what he's doing, but I, I just look at it of the amount of people I can help impact versus that type of talk, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe it was the good talk. Maybe that's it, how, that's how you do maybe, drive people. Maybe he was so intelligent. He <laughs> knew he needed to tell me this to motivate. He's a great yeah. man, but I don't see that, but you know, it is, you get young and you make some money and you get an ego, but there's what I've learned is always a bigger fish. My uncle is doing way, way bigger deals than I am. He bought the Sprint campus down in Overland Park, down in Kansas city. So, oh, wow. Yeah. $260 million. And so he's like, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. And I think there's a point for everybody they reach and they're okay with it. Yeah. And I just, you know, I don't want to keep going to that level, you know, more headaches, more problems. Um, I could have built a lot more, I think, but you know, we started having kids and you, you got to raise your kids too. Yeah. When it's, it's like the question of how are you doing? You know, it's what, what facet of my life. And, you know, there is, I'm a big fighter against balance. Like Mm -hmm. I, I like to I like to go crazy. Like, you know, people are like, oh, you're going to do this workout and you're going to sign up for these six things. Yeah. Yeah, I am. But, but for me, that makes sense. But at some point it levels out because it does, it does, because I want to raise all these different areas. Like I want to raise being a better father, better husband, all these different items. Yeah. Health, whatever it is, travel, whatever you want to do, you got to make sure you balance out eventually. But when I first started work was the priority. Mm -hmm. I mean, my wife would be like, we're going to family gatherings and you're just sitting, staring there because you're so tired. That's a problem. I was like, yes, but right now, real estate is very, very cheap. Which you see me. my Ferrari in two years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I just bought her a nice car too. So it's like, you know, but she's not as into that, those kind of things. I can tell she just wants me to spend time with her. And that's, yeah, that's she, important. She, Ferrari, she did. Girls, yeah. Why a Ferrari? You're a car guy though. Yeah. Ferrari is, the red Ferrari has always been my dream, right? Yeah. It's just always been. And when you get that, I think it's everybody's dream. It's like, okay, what's next? Well, walk me through, walk me through why that financially makes sense. Um, it Other does than not. it doesn't, you can't, not like cause, cars. cause it doesn't weigh. Okay. So here's one. It, I didn't put it in my business name. There's no way my accountant would, it, a car has to weigh like 6,000 pounds yep. or more. So, so I recently just purchased my wife, a Bentley and it weighed 5,300 pounds. Uh, I called my accountant. I was like, uh, Ben, uh, can we write this off? He goes, no, I go, it, it almost weighs. I go, what about when we're in it? It almost weighs 6,000 pounds. <laughs> 
And he goes, I'm, is that a serious question? I'm back to yeah. my college way, man. Yeah, back to, so, you know. You can the, still, I'm not trying to CPA you right now, but you can still write it off. You just can't you, take, you can't take it all at once. You can't take yeah. it all at once, yeah. And you can do that. You know, I've been a big, uh, do you guys watch Top Gear? Do you know um, what Top Gear yeah, is? I do know what tour? it is, but yeah. So I've watched that show so from Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah. That's, and I, that's yeah. What, yeah. And that's, so you start buying these cars. And the way I look at it is I bought hundreds of houses. And those aren't that fun. Yeah. You should be able to buy a few cars that are fun for yourself. Why am I doing this? We all have our vices, if you will. Yeah. Why am I doing this? You know, I've never done drugs anymore. I'm so boring. I don't even drink it. Colin knows I don't even drink that much anymore. Um, it just, it just seems to lead to bad things, you know, just yeah. not so many bad things, but the way you feel the next day. No, no doubt. So you got to have some fun. And to me right now, my routine is just, you know, you get up, you do the sauna, the cold plunge, you run. And I think you're going to feel better about yourself doing you, those You have items. a cold plunge, cold plunge? Let's get like the rectangle. Oh, yeah. Colin, yeah, so he had, he had had one before both of us. I, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I told him, get the XL, whatever you do, because I'm I in there. I told him that too. And I'm in which, there like this. Which is it, funny, even yeah. at five foot six. Like you I, want so the width, yeah. So I have got into one of the smaller ones. I was like, I kind of had to crunch down like it's a little terrible. bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so I started, I started going under. Have you gone underwater yet? Yes. Yeah. That's, I just that's, did this morning. I you did? Yeah. It was easy when I went on a run. Oh, that feels better today. Yeah, yeah. Today, sauna, like, sauna to plunge. Sauna, sauna to plunge, plunge is great. Yeah. But th there's been sometimes like our flight to Texas, and it's at like 5:30 a.m., and I'm jumping in the plunge, just freezing cold for my bed at 3:45, and that's not fun. But see that? Yeah, that's hardcore. Where'd you get your sauna? Where'd you get it? Um, it was my wife bought it. It's an infrared, and it was online, some kind of a deal. And I actually don't know how to put it together. I cannot believe it worked when I signed up. But it's got like red lights therapy in there, yeah, and yeah, it all, yeah. it's it's nice. I that's like awesome. it. I use a traditional when I go to her yoga class and that's like 180 and you start sweating instantaneously. Yeah. I did it this morning. I went to her and I was like, why did I do this? It's so hot outside. And you walk outside and it feels cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Your body's getting but, acclimated to and it. And you got to just, you got to take care of yourself. I put my health off for so long yeah. eating Casey's pizza, Burger King. Oh, it was just terrible. I didn't know. It was a lack of education. And when you're working that much, you need like caffeine hits or all needs, the time you need food hits. Like I've never smoked, but you need something to keep you going. Yep. Cause it's a, it's an up and down all day long. You're, you're mad about something and then you, you feel better after you have your diet Coke and a slim Jim, you know? Oh, that's, that's so funny, but it's so true. Now I, uh, now I do plunges twice a day. You're on two times a day, two, two times a day, 39 degrees. The first oh, one's all the, way down, the yeah. first one's three to four minutes. And then the second one's three to five, just depending that's, on what I have going on. That's a sweet, I go four, three to five. I, have you ever gone like seven, eight minutes? I have gone it's seven miserable. and I, my back started hurting because I was shaking so much after yeah. I, was, I, I like had to go like three every time. I like, I like yeah. turned on the hot shower and get, like, I was literally bent over. That just was like kind of shaking. I've done, I'd, I've done the cold plunge, cold, really cold down, like not as cold as you, like 42. Mm -hmm. Cause I was so cold to get in the shower and it's like it's stingy. Like yeah. it's just, Oh, that feels good though. I love it. Yeah, I love it's, it. It's a good feeling, you know, but I I've heard you want to let your body warm up yes. naturally and run or something. But all these things are just like you said, a balance, you know, spending yeah. time with kids, making that a priority, trying to have, you know, my buddies want me to go out and have drinks and it's like, uh, you know, we're, we're pulled in all these different directions and you got to make a living too. Yeah. So I've got one rule and I started this probably three years ago. It was when, you know, I think I got on the bigger pockets podcast. Like it was just becoming very popular in real estate and also like very, the novice guy, like, Hey, let's see how Colin did this. Yep. So I get a lot of phone calls. I was like, everybody wanted to take me to lunch. Everybody oh, yeah. wanted to take me out to coffee. And I love everybody that's, that has asked me for that. But it came to a point where I said, what in the hell am I doing? I can't, if I can't take my wife to lunch this month, 
I'm not taking anybody else to lunch. There is zero chance I'm going to do that because so I mean, it's accurate. like, but yeah. it's like, what's your priority at that point? It's like, sure. There are lunch meetings that are essential for your business, yes. but if it is a lunch to pick your brain or to, that you're kind of conversing, that you're really not getting to solve problems, mm -hmm. but I can't take my wife to lunch. Like you're out of balance. Like that you've got it. There's a point you push through. But there's yeah. also a point where you don't sacrifice your time to that. You level. don't, you don't sacrifice your wife or your kids, especially, yeah. especially your kids, your wife, our wives, they're, they're old. They can handle it. The kids yeah. need, they're young. They need to be shaped and molded. I get so many calls and mostly it's like on social media or messages, hey, lunch. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna test this person a little bit. Yeah. And I have found two or three guys that are relentless. And these are the, and they've started to be successful. They do the things like, all right, read this book, do this. And then I'll tell people to do it. And then I never hear from yeah. them again. That's so funny. Yeah. So I've got a few like little protégés that I'm pretty, pretty brash with them. They're like, how do I find deals? Or, you know, what do I say to the seller? What books have you read? And I'll give them, I, I will give them the playbook. And I say, two weeks from now, we'll talk again after you've completed these. Yeah. How many phone calls have you made? How many deals have you evaluated? I, I, there has been a few that have done it. And one of them now has like 50 rental units, yeah. literally did exactly what I said, how I said it and executed on it. And guess what? He's got a ton of rental units. He's made himself a multimillionaire yeah. from just following the very simple, annoying, hard process. So what I like to do now, uh, when somebody asks me for lunch or for coffee, I say, how about you come over to my house? We go throw on this 40 pound weight sack. We go for a walk. I don't care if it's hundred degrees outside. Let's jump in the sauna and jump in the plunge. Like, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's yeah. see how you do after that. We'll yeah. yeah. Is yeah. that's what you want to do? That's, that's and why Chris comes over yeah. all the time. I love it. And there's a common I'm theme. His little protege. Yeah. yeah. No, you're not my protege. You're, and there's a common you're the one that pushes me guys, to wake up early. Right? I think there's something about wanting to be successful that you have like a, a little tick, a, a chip on your shoulder or something. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it was just being the the guy who wasn't always very intelligent with things, you know, I could get things like, I don't have any, my brother was like, you don't have any real skills. You don't, <laughs> if the world ended, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be like, invited to the Island. Have? No, I would be voted mm -hmm. off, you know, I unless know. I manipulated my way to be King or something like that. <laughs> there you it just go. Wouldn't happen. And so, um, but so you make up for that in other ways, you're willing to put up with things that other people aren't willing to put up with. And I think that's part of it. That, that is true. I mean, it's the, it's the, well, you were the star quarterback, but you know, typically the, the high school athlete that never had a workout or anything, you see him yes, 10 years later yeah. and they're sitting at the same bar. Yeah. Sitting at the same bar or in the same thing they were yeah. last yeah. time you saw him. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, you're like the 1% of the 1%. So, cause you were that high school, uh, star athlete moved on. All right, Brett, we've got one final part. All right. What do you got? It is the final three with CNC. That's right. These final three questions from Chris and Colin. I am, uh, do you want to start off? I've got, I got one ready to go. I know what yours is. Go for it. You don't know what mine is. Um, cause I've, uh, fine. I, I, I'll, I, ask I, it. I'll ask it. What are your daily habits? Get out of the cold plunge and sauna. Cause that's a great, what are, yeah. what's something you suggest that kind of you set that way? Yeah. Did you reference atomic habits earlier? Yeah. I've read the book. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. a great, that's a great book. Setting your running book. shoes out. So you know, you're on that. It's, yeah. that's basically what the book is, but if yeah. you read it, you ingest so much more. So mm -hmm. first thing for me, I get up, I don't get up super early, believe it or not. I get up around seven cause my wife's a night owl. And she keep and I can't. I'm a light sleeper, so I, you know, we're. She up. keep the TV on in bed. Yeah, whatever it is. Why? Why do they right do that? I hate it. And I'm such a light sleeper, <laughs> yeah, and I don't sleep that much anyway. So at night, I'm in bed. I read in the sonnet. So I sonnet in the morning and at night. I find that I sonnet. I read in the sonnet at night, and it calms me down. Go take a shower. Watching. I'm watching like camping videos on YouTube or how to make a sword. 
get, so anyway, I go to bed. We go to bed probably tw- between 12 and one and I get about seven. What? And then I, 12 yeah. and one? Yeah. Get, yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't sleep. And then even then I don't sleep. Like I could, I could go with three hours of sleep for multiple. It doesn't bother me. I'd be all. messed up for weeks. No, it just, <laughs> you doesn't. coffee? No. I've never had coffee in my life. Something's wrong. No yes, way. Coffee. Now I do have a pre-workout. Okay. And you know, I, my, uh, this is kind of a tangent. My son is Jocko Willink. You know, he's into these podcasts. Your son is Jocko. What a weird change. Yeah. Yeah. He's into, he's into Jocko and he's got, uh, this Jocko go energy drink. You yeah. Know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I drink, I've been drinking those. Once okay. In a while. I, gotcha. I feel kind of hyped up when I have them, but no, I, I do a pre-workout. I get up about seven, wake my kids up, getting them to school, especially both of them now. That's right. You live closer. I live Yes. A decade away. So yeah, I can get him to school. Got him in the Maserati. We were late today in six minutes. Okay. And it was, we probably broke some laws. But yeah. You're I'm always late. late. You're yeah, always, we're always late. I see Emily walking by chatting. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm late. Yeah. Right. You're late. So I take them, I come back, whether I do, I either take the dog for a walk or go take my wife's yoga class, uh, do the sauna, cold plunge, that type of thing. I really don't start. I don't like to be at the office before 10 or 11. I think all the BS needs to get sorted out before I get there. Nothing good happens before 10 o'clock. I was just having the same conversation with the owner of a plumbing company. Yes. We were saying the same thing. We're like, it's just problems. And they can, they can get me. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not on my phone or email, but people always think I'm crazy. I don't even have a computer at my house. I don't have a computer at my house and this is how they get me if they need me. That's awesome. So I do that. Um, I'll go in. I try to be in at my desk for less than two hours a day whether I'm golfing or I have a lunch or some kind of outing or you know, chiropractic, whatever it is, I'll try and only be there for two hours a day. And that time is spent on running uh, P&Ls for most of the companies because we have all these different LLCs, finding things that people made mistakes on. Ah, that's a, that's a triple net cost or this goes here. And then I have like, I almost call it creative time where I um, try to find deals. And that's being on CoStar, LoopNet, uh, following up with someone who maybe called me about a deal. Um, no matter what I'm doing at four 30, I leave and I go work out at, the, at Todd Smith fitness, Cool. go home, um, try to eat, get the kids to bed. You know how fast that time goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's just like craziness. Have my protein shake. Uh, Ashley and I will switch off between one of our kids. We read to him every night. I just finished the greatest book ever hatchet with my son. If you remember that from grade school, no, he's lost on an Island and all he has is a hatchet after a plane crash. It's awesome. Finish that. We read, um, then I go downstairs and every morning I also, every night I stretch out, which I implemented probably two years ago. I use a foam roller because if you don't, things just don't work the same for me. You know, uh, I stretch out, get back in that sauna, um, head back up, maybe watch that camping video. That's so funny. And then it starts over again. I'm very routine. I eat the same things every day, um, drink the same things. And now that I'm not drinking alcohol as much, it's really, it just continue. Time is just going by. Yeah. You know, and then we, we travel when the kids have breaks. Cool. It's pretty boring. Yeah. No, it's boring as a what, discipline is freedom. That's so accurate. Yeah. No, it is. The, the people that uh, live undisciplined lives, when I notice my discipline goes by the wayside, everything is harder. It is. And like, you know, like last year we went to Nashville on this guy's trip. We did the Ozarks before and that's fun. But I remember being at the bar at like one o'clock in the morning and with my buddies, and it's just like, well, everyone else is younger than me. I'm like way <laughs> older than everybody else. Start drinking water, and I'm, I'm not even drunk. I'm just miserable. And I'm like, why am I here? Yeah. yeah. What am I doing? I, be, I, I got two be, kids. Yeah. I, I could be doing the cold plunge tomorrow. It was yeah. fun. And I think you need to have those experiences when you're young. So when you're old like us, you're like, okay, we're going to be old and be our routine. So yeah. 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 No, routine's great. That's my routine. 
Okay. What do you, um, what do you teach your children? That's a great question. So recently I just read a book, uh, just about son or fathers and daughters. I think uh, girls, women are a they're mystery to us, right? I didn't have sisters. I went to an all guys high school, so my communication skills as my wife sometimes I'm like, what what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you know, like we're trying to logically solve everything. Yes. And so I'm trying to relate to her in a way that just listen to her, listen to her, let her act out the stories. I want her to teach her about hard work, and that's why I did with my son for many years. Like I bought him a gumball machine at my buildings and say, we're gonna collect this money, let's invest it. And he goes, well, I wanna keep, you know, I wanna keep some, no, we're gonna invest some. And I want them to treat everybody nicely. I do want them to, how do I say this? Not have an elitist mentality, but I want you to be the best. I want you to be the fittest person in the room. I want you to be the hardest worker and I want you to be the best dressed person in the room. I don't, I don't want it, there's no time for crap. We have things to do. And my wife's like, you're, you know, you're crazy, but that, that's just what it is. You yeah, know? what's the book, what's the book? Uh, Hatchet. No, the, the one oh, that you're reading to It's like Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. You both are writing it down. I love it, yeah. It was, guys, it was a great book. And it was eye-opening to see what kids are exposed to this with social media at a young age. Mm. Like, I'm worried. Uh, yeah, I'm, my kid, I was like, I, the neighbor girl was babysitting our na- the neighbor kids, and I talked to her, and I was like, when did you get a phone? She goes, I was in fourth grade. I go, my kids aren't getting a phone until they're 28. Yeah. Like, yeah. There, it, there's no, so I don't care. Like, <sighs> it's not going to happen, man. Tom Hardy has a phone, doesn't he? No, no. There, there is an emergency a, a phone. Thing. It's yeah. called like a GABA or something. Is it a gizmo? No, it's called like GABA. Okay. So it's an actual phone that we have programmed me, mom, and grandma's in there. Yeah, that, that's kind of how the, the gizmo watch thing is. Yeah, and that's that's yeah. all they can contact. So when we go out of town, something, you know, he could he can call us. That's that's the only place it yeah. goes. Yeah. So I'm trying I am maybe putting them in a little And little Facebook, bubble. of course. I'm yeah. just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For Instagram, TikTok, yeah. but I'm putting them in a bubble. I'm trying to for as long as I can. Because while they're young, they need to be kids. They oh really do. yeah. There's... I don't want them exposed to the, there's so much crap and I don't I don't really watch TV. I don't have cable. I have YouTube TV for sports, mm-hmm. but I don't watch the news. I mean, there's no. nothing good that comes of that. I, I, um, I, I every, don't. probably once every six months, I'll turn it on just cause like for some reason, like it's the right time. I'm just like, yeah. I'm going to turn on the news within like seven minutes. I'm like, Oh my gosh, yeah. I am sad. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I it's, am miserable. You feel dejected if you watch the news. There's so much going on. It doesn't really, I know like people always ask like, well, this is happening in the world. This is like, yeah, but what's affecting you and your family? That's all you can control, man. Yeah. You're not going to figure, you're not going to solve the war in Ukraine and Omaha. Okay? Yeah, so I promise you, if it's big enough, you will find out about yeah, it. You, some, yeah. Some way you'll find out about yeah. it. So th- I'm just trying, I want to try to push them to come into business. And I, but I'm not going to mandate that. No. I feel like if you push, like I pushed my son too hard on hockey and it, you ruined it. Yeah. You know, so everybody's different. Every kid's different. We'll just see how it ends up. Yeah. I already said a book. I was gonna ask no, no. What, what's, uh, what's your favorite book? Oh, the, the, the book of all books that changed my life. I, I want to be really good Catholic here and say the Bible, but that's not it. Yeah. Um, it's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. My mom gave that to me when I was, I think, 15 or 16, and it just resonated so much. Not necessarily that my dad was an investor. It just kind of the ideal, the ideas resonated with me. Yeah. Simple. Bias. I think a lot of people think like, oh, if you want to be successful, you wear a suit and tie and you're in a board meeting all day and you, you're in a high rise building. And that isn't really the way it is anymore. No. You know what I mean? Like I, 
people, people come to meet me in suits all the time. You know, and I'll, if there's an occasion, I'll, I, when I was younger, I used to dress up all the time. I have a closet for it. Now I just kind of wear what's comfortable. Yeah. You know, and uh, those ideas really resonate. You know, what's an asset? What's a liability? Um, don't buy liabilities, buy assets. It just at a young age, you didn't really know it, but I think that in conjunction with my parents buying those rentals were really good for me. It's huge. Yeah. They're like, okay, we're going to buy this thing and I want you to paint this wall white. And I'm sure it looked terrible, but they, they had you do it ripping up carpet. And that really got me going. And the other thing that really helped me too uh, was my dad had a family business and he lost his job at 50, mm. 50. So they closed, just closed the business one day. Now my, we had the, some real estate, so it was okay. But um, he was talking about taking a job in Italy. Wow. As a sophomore prep. And I have never spoken any word of Italian in my life. And it, it shocked me. I was like, we can't, my friends are, you know, imagine what you would say. It's closer right? to the Vatican though. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, um, he ended up, uh, starting his own thing and it worked that compressor business and yeah. it worked out, but I think in seeing him start a business at 50 and I think it matters how hard you see your parents work. If you see your parents bust their ass and work really hard, you're probably going to do that too. Cause you don't want, you you feel guilty buying anything. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You're like, Oh, my, my mom is the most, uh, frugal woman ever. She would add water to the ketchup, the shampoo, the Benadryl. Oh, yeah. And just make it go. And she's still this way. I mean, she's got, she's well off, but it's just kind of crazy. And that, that resonated with me for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Brett, this has been awesome. This, this has been a fun. lot of fun. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is fun. Um, how can people get a hold of you if you're looking for people to get a hold of you, as well as what are you looking for? What's, uh, what's something that you're yeah. looking for from the audience? They can get a hold of me by calling our office number, not myself. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I would say you could reach out to me uh, if you, I'm the guy people go to when they want out of something. So uh, whether it's a business, whether it's real estate, anything, if you're done with something, I will write you a check tomorrow for it, cash as is. Um, that's, I'm just a value investor. And that's, that's kind of how I always have done things. Um, and I do, I'm trying to scale back a little bit, believe it or not. But if, if I could buy a property, if I could buy six to 12 properties a year, I'd be happy. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Thanks man. Fun. Thanks for having us on. Yep. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.